up on the wing. Timmons didn't get it. Two on one down low for Ottawa. Holy Mackinac, what a save. He was the author of his own demise, but he stuck that left hand out and saves a goal. What a save made by Joseph Wall off Tarasenko. France from centers and LeBert side, and again, Joseph Wall. Holy Mackinac, he has got Vladimir Tarasenko filled with nightmares tonight when he goes to bed. Cleared on the board, but not out. Norris again on the wall, five seconds left. Pinning it there at the Leafs, and they're gonna pull out one in Ottawa. Friday fan morning show sports at 590 the fan Ben Ennis Brent Gunning get it done it's the get it done league yep not and the tri league no it's not even the stay healthy league no definitely not it's about to get weird for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> is Joseph Wall playing what was maybe the best game of his entire career just ask Vladimir Tarasenko mm-hmm. or uh, Joe Bowen for that matter yeah um he was spec freaking tacular but it's hard not to think about like how maybe those like post-to-post saves on Vladimir Tarasenko might have played into <laughs> the the eventual injury in the third period uh, as he departs with uh, an unknown yet injury. Uh, Sheldon keeps saying he's going to be out for a while, but uh, maybe let's take care of business. They are now seven one and two in their last ten. Brent, they yep. get it done despite the fact that they were. I mean, pretty thoroughly outplayed in Ottawa against the Senators, especially in the first period. Yeah, very much so. Oh, my goodness. Thank God for Joe Wall, or we'd be having a very, very different conversation about last night's game. He was, quite frankly, the only thing that kept them in it. And look, like, I I make this point all the time. You know, New York doesn't have to apologize when Ilya Sesterkin plays a good game. Like, Joe Wall's part of the team, too. He's allowed to be the reason why they win it occasionally. (coughs) You don't want to make a habit of having to need him or Samsonov or Martin Jones or David Ayers or whoever's going to be manning the crease for for this team. Sorry, he who shall not be named. I don't even like Mm -hmm. saying his name on the air. But... I think that you just, you look at that and you see that performance from Wall and that's why we've been talking about him the way we have all year is that you've seen flashes of that. You've seen games that are close to that. But to your point, that was, he's had games where he's more steady, but he yeah. was so spectacular yeah. last night. And again, like part of that is on the team in front of him. Wake up, maybe Dude. don't make it so hard, but he was able he was able to answer every every question the sentence threw at him. Yeah, that was not a defensive clinic. By the Toronto Maple Leafs and 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 that makeshift blue line, I, I think for the the first time really this season since they've been playing with the the guys that have been playing mm-hmm. in the bottom four there, I, I saw the obvious flaws and it, and they luckily for them they were bailed out by mm-hmm. Joseph Wall, but how many two on ones, how many breakaways yep. did we see in that hockey game yesterday? Yeah, I mean you know I don't want to pin it just on one guy because it's certainly not about him, but. You've seen Max Lajoie. You've seen how much Sheldon Keefe trusts him when he has to get in the lineup. Uh, Our boy and Matt Sundin's boy, William Loggerson, has a case of whatever ailment is buzzing around the Leafs and quite frankly, it feels like the GTA right right now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that you would normally want him in the lineup, especially over a guy like Lajoie, but it's not about one, one player. And the thing I keep coming back to as well, and, you know, I joked about it with David Ayers, but we've seen this, you know, that day with the Hurricanes, we saw them say, all right, we don't have a goalie, no shots. That's the way we will play this game. And yeah. the Leafs in years past, when they have had banged up blue lines, be yep. it TJ Brody or Giordano or Morgan Riley missing long, long chunks of time, they say, all right, we just got to lock it down. And that typically comes more from the forwards than it does from the defense. But that is the challenge for this group. And they did not live up to it remotely last night. No, they didn't. They get it done. Uh, as Martin Jones allows one uh, six on five goal. Uh, but yeah, 
uh, eventually shuts the doors. Maple Leafs pick up again another valuable two points. Somehow in regulation, they win a hockey game. Miracle. Uh, their sixth of the season as they slide past the Montreal Canadiens with their sixth regulation win this season. So who knows how long Joseph Wall is going to be out. It's it's more than a couple of games, it feels yep. like. like. When you see a guy suffer a non-contact injury like that. And On crutches. It, yeah, like it is in excruciating pain, like... I guess maybe we should learn from the Trevor Lawrence injury that maybe it's not as bad as it Saying first he's a milker. appears. Uh, well, I mean, it did appear like Trevor Lawrence was never going to play football again. Turns out to be yeah, a high you can besmirch him. I don't think he's going to mind. Also, did you see that he he's like I declined yes. the the card. Listen, they offered me the card. I said thanks, but no thanks because I'm tough. Yeah. Sure. Um. So yeah, it doesn't look good for Joseph Wall, which is bad because he really has bad. been good. Mm-hmm. And Ilya Samsonov, when he's been healthy, yep. has not been as good. Now, we'll see if if he's able to overcome whatever ailment he's dealing with for tomorrow's game. Yep. I mean, if he's not able to to back up uh, Martin Jones, like we're, we're talking about, yeah, going pretty deep into your mm-hmm. goaltending depth chart. All of a sudden, like, and I feel partly responsible for this. <laughs> it's your fault. I was talking about how great the, the Leafs goaltending situation does feel like mm-hmm. this season and beyond. It, it, one injury mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, not so great. Yeah, that's exactly where this team finds itself. I suppose if you're looking at silver linings and, you know, this isn't a report, don't take that as anything, but just think about yourself. Uh, Unless it's like a serious illness, like you have mono or it's got a name of some kind. If you're just sick, like, I don't know, what's the longest you've ever been sick for? A couple of weeks, weeks, something like that. Mm -hmm. So I would think if it is just an illness and not something more than Samsonov should be, you'd think turning the corner getting ready to be healthy. And the other thing I'd say about this as well, and again, like we don't know if he'll be available, but I, again, he, you know, this isn't a body injury from what we understand. This is an illness. So I would expect this to, he'd be available for this team sometime soon. And I do wonder if, and this is a little bit pie in the sky thinking for sure, but I don't think it's crazy either. Do you get your best version of Samsonov if he's not looking over his shoulder? Yeah, that's a good question. Cause this is Martin Jones. Isn't making him do that. No, he's not. Uh, honestly, and maybe it was too, too pie in the sky thinking for me, thinking that Joseph Wall was going to take this number one job and run with it through the rest of the season. A guy who has what? Never played more 40 than games, yeah. 40 games in a season. It, it, the, his high watermark was 37 games yeah. as a senior in college, right? Like he, he's a <laughs> little different. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a different deal. A guy making five straight starts for the first time in the national hockey yep. league. And maybe also playing into maybe. the fact that, that he got injured. I, there was not a path that I had envisioned to Ilya Samsonov returning to the number one with a bullet goaltender for this team like he was a season ago. I see that path now. It's right there. We'll see how the mental aspect of it plays out. Like you said, Uh maybe there is something to a guy who has been very vocal about, you know, his matchups against his former team, the Washington Capitals, playing onto his psyche. Like a guy that, yeah, does not have to look over his shoulder. A guy who has Uh a, granted it's a, it's a small dollar amount, but like a an extra year on his contract, uh-huh. a guy that is part of the future planning for this team, a yep. guy that clearly the organization would like to be the number one goalie. Now that he's not here, yeah, it, it's all on Ilya Samsonov. And yeah. it, man, go back to last season when when Matt Murray went down, that is when Ilya Samsonov 
started to shine. That was the best version of him you ever got. And it was the same for Murray whenever they were not pushed. And Hey, like, I don't, I don't actually look at that as a, a critical flaw. I think some people do better when they're given the reins. I think some people do better when they got to, got to fight for it. But I think you, you look at it and that's the best version of Samsonov. You've got the, the whole time here, you know, the Martin Jones of it all. I think it's obviously a nice piece for them to have in the organization, just in the sense of, you know, go back to September when we were having all these conversations, it was far from a certainty that he was going to, sneak through waivers and he'd even be available here so thank goodness they were able to sneak him through because where would this team be it would have been Dennis Hildeby or mm. I don't know I don't know if Jed Alexander is still at school at, at UFT so maybe it's not him any anymore but like where honestly would this team be you'd have to go make your David Riddich trade from two or three years ago just to get some competent goaltender in here so the fact that they have Martin Jones is a major major coup I don't I don't take that to me mm. as ooh Jones and Samsonov are really going to share the net here over the next I don't know two weeks who knows how long Joe wall is out but I think that if you didn't have him like what a bad spot you'd be putting any of the kids in you might be in a very bad spot either way though yep. right like Ilya Samsonov again had an incredible season last year his best in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. He's a former first-round pick, so he's got the pedigree. It's not like that came out of nowhere, nope. but it was without question his best season. Um, he's having a very bad season, yep. okay? That's just, it hasn't been as bad as it started. Like, it's trending in a better direction, but what, like an 880 save percentage? Martin Jones has just been flat-out bad for years and years. Yes. Like, I, Martin Jones not an NHL average goaltender anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, nope. that's just not the case. The possibility exists that, yeah, we saw the best of Ilya Samsonov a season ago, and the Leafs go from a team that was getting, in an overall mm-hmm. sense, because remember, the yep. average save percentage is 903, an average amount of goaltending to a team that is going to have to shore up its defense in front of their goaltenders because their reliability. Yeah, and the weird thing about Jones is I think a lot of people, so obviously we know he was the Sharks netminder throughout that long, kind of successful, but not ultimately successful Sharks era there. And then he goes to Philly, and I think a lot of people said to themselves, you know, that Philly team is brutal. It's so different going from a cup contender to being a goaltender behind that. But then he plays for the Kraken, who were good, and he still had bad numbers. So I think that that was some people were, I think, probably heading into last season thinking to themselves, okay, you know what? This is a case of a guy needs not a change of scenery, but just to play behind a competent team and even that couldn't couldn't save him last night the other thing i think you have to wonder about all this and i don't think this means go trade for a goalie today but does it make brad living go trade for a defenseman sometime yeah. soon if joe wall and you know if this is a two-week injury i don't think this changes the conversation at all but if it's a month longer than that buddy and the games are coming fast and furious well, now too. i mean this there is, could this not is why be there could not be a worse time for this injury yeah. like imagine this would have happened in the Vancouver game, when mm-hmm. they're going to Sweden and they're going to play two games in two weeks, like they would have been fine to deal with it then. This is the worst possible time this could come at. What is it, like nine games in 17 days or something along those lines? Four next week, back to back included. Brutal, brutal timing for well, this. Well, this is why, like, again, the get it done league that they have seven wins in their last 10 and a couple of overtime losses in there, just one regulation loss that they've yep. been racking up these points. It's very, it's really weird to look at the Eastern Conference standings right now because. Everybody's played such a disparate uh, number of games. Oh, like yeah. the Leafs have played 23, and they're at 30 points in the first wild card spot. Tempe Lightning are the last team, or the first team out of the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. They have one fewer point at 29 points. They played five more games <laughs> yeah. than the Leafs. Um, but yeah, again, to that point that they banked all these points without playing their best hockey. Again, I, for a full 60 minute yep. sample yesterday, I think. 
by and large, the Senators were the better hockey sure. team, and the Leafs just got the better goaltending. But who cares? They yep. banked those points. Um, if they can continue to do it with their the, the goaltender that was playing the worst out of the two between Joseph Wall and Ilya Samsonov, and with this makeshift blue line, you just you just give Brad for living a little extra time to to figure out what exactly he is going to do come February. Yeah, it's crazy to even think like you know I know you shouldn't shouldn't decide anything too major based on two games in the middle of December, but it's like this week alone, like the back to back, and then the other games. You know, if Samsonov, if he that's the other thing I think is really interesting about this. Like, does he feel an impetus now to rush back? Mm-hmm. And I, if I were him, I wouldn't, I'd say, don't worry, Martin Jones is going to get in there and they'll, they'll be ready to give me the net when I'm, when I'm healthy. But if the, he's looking at this as okay, this is my time to get back. Like, does he kind of rush things along? And again, if it's a, if it is not a, a groin or a hip flexor or an ankle, it's just uh he's sick. That's kind of up to him to a certain extent. Like, you know, we know how sports works in this day and sports performance and everybody will get involved in that. But it's like, hey, we don't have a goalie. Can you go? If he says yes, they're going to put him in net. So that's the other part of this I think is really interesting is does Samson not feel like he has to force his hand? In terms of the standings and where the Leafs are at, like I'm just going to keep bringing up this number until it's not advantageous to them. They're right now seventh in the league yeah. in points percentage. Now, hey, like a lot of people point to that and say, oh, a bunch of loser points or seven and one in or seven and one in, in the shootout. And it's, it's like, it's not unfair, but yeah. to your point, you just simply have to find a way. And it is all about banking points and giving yourself the ability to not rush into a a hurry or a panic trade. And I do think there was a couple of moments in the season where we've maybe been staring down the barrel of that if the Leafs, you know, had to start anything like the Oilers and not like theirs. Okay, Brian, I'm going to throw uh, yes. something at you Yes, here. And you tell me if, I, if I'm way off base. Okay. I think despite the fact the Leafs won a playoff series for the first time in the Austin Matthews era a season ago, you go into a playoff game expecting to lose if you're a Leaf fan, right? Like, no lead is safe. Like, there is oh, a, a feeling yeah, no, of dread. That's all fair. Yes. Yes. I would say the opposite is almost true during the regular season. Mm. This, this team has regular season magic. They have not missed the playoffs, right? This is there, good. I like this. There's, there's been some, some moments in time where you're like, again, the Morgan Riley month that he missed yeah. a season ago, the, the uncertain goaltending performances mm-hmm. you were going to get. The makeshift blue line that they're Mm -hmm. putting forth right now. This is not a team that should be picking up points. I get it. The Senators at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, but there's plenty of talent on that team. And again, got outplayed for 60 minutes. The Toronto Maple Leafs, over the better part of the last decade, have regular season magic. It is, listen, it has not translated to the postseason. I get it. But the feeling I have, and it it doesn't mean that you you win every game, right? But like, I'm talking about what is happening on the ice. And and the the like the style points mm-hmm. between them and the opposition, the Toronto Maple Leafs have regular season magic. You, that you almost expect them to win despite the fact that they they're getting outplayed. It I honestly hadn't thought about it that way. You're a hundred percent right though. When they have the goalie pulled with a minute or whatever left, it it doesn't necessarily always feel like the puck's going to go in, but they're going to get their looks. Like this team never has the disappointing, can't get set up at the end of regulation. No, they always have. They have the most comeback wins in the NHL. Three thousand right looks at it, and it, you're, you're, I also wonder how much of that. And you know, so many of the guys who scored these goals aren't even here. So many guys who are on that team weren't even here. But go back to that series against Tampa. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm trying to have it all run together right now, but it's like. 
Huge Ryan O'Reilly goal late. Huge Morgan Riley goal late. Yeah. Alex Kerfoot overtime winner. Like, they just scored. It wasn't that they finally got over the hump in that. I mean, that was obviously far and away the most important thing. But it was in the way they did it that it had to be so hard every time and so many overtime wins and finding a way. I do wonder if the guys who are still here from that, not again, to your yeah. point, not that it bleeds over because yeah. we watched the very next series and yeah. that, that second period of game three will forever be burned into my brain. The they start know of how to win when they get outplayed. You're right. Hey, there is definitely <laughs> there's something to that. Is, and, well, is but that honestly, a thing, though, or is that just getting goaltending? Well, there is. It is a bit of getting goaltending, but I don't know. Go look at this Leafs team over last year and the start of this year. You've liked Joe Wall. You've liked Samsonov. You've liked Murray at various times, but. I don't know that we've been having conversations about, oh, this is a Vesna guy. Like mm-hmm. maybe we had the, not the is Samsonov a Vesna goalie, but should he be in top seven consideration for the award? Like that's the highest praise we've given a Leaf goaltender kind of since Freddie Anderson, right? So yeah, it is a bit of getting goaltending, but I don't know. When you look at this Leafs team, do they feel like the team that just gets 10 out of 10 goaltending every night and the rest of the team, you know, almost has to find a way to screw it up? Because no. it certainly doesn't feel that way to me. No, it's Last true. night it did. But- it, yes, but that is like that is a one-off. Like again, I don't remember a game, despite the fact that they've had plenty where they've gotten outplayed. And, yep. and the first period against the the Panthers last week came to mind mm-hmm. in watching that first period totally. after the, the horse bleep uh, practice, practice they had the the day before, but it, yeah, you go back to that that first period against the Panthers. There were not a bunch of ten bellers saved from Joseph nope. Wall. He was very good yesterday. That was as good as a Leaf goalie's had to be this season. Yeah. There were so many breakdowns in front of him. It's just I I, I don't know what to do with the fact that style points wise, this mm-hmm. Leaf team doesn't look very good. And that does make sense considering the names on the back of the jerseys, especially on the blue line, yeah. but they're getting it done. So like so I'm trying I, to figure it out. Is I, it just the randomness of the sport? There is definitely, there, it is 100% some of the randomness of the sport. I gotta give them some credit though no, no, because do, th- no. they are 7-1-2 one, in their last any, 10. I think, I forget who it was. I don't even know if, if Friedman named the player in the 32 right. Thoughts yes, podcast. That's but he came had, to mind too. He had the quote of, hey, hey uh, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but you saw Max Lajoie out there tonight, right? Yeah. In, in an NHL game. And we won. Yeah. And again, it's not Max Lejoie. Like, it's and Simone Benoit. And half the time, our boy, Loggerson. Like, it is those types of guys that you have in your lineup. And I think the reason why, you know, some people are maybe getting bent out of, not bent out of shape, but calling to attention, hey, this doesn't feel overly sustainable Mm -hmm. is agreed. That blue line is not overly sustainable. I guarantee you Brad Living is looking at that and saying, hey, if this keeps up and they continue to be a playoff team, there ain't no way. Loggerson and Timmons mm. and Benoit and Max Lajoie are all playing in a game for mm. this team. That ain't never happening again if this is a playoff team. And they're going to be. So I think that, to, like, yes, there is obviously some things you could point at and say, uh, maybe don't get need to shoot out eight times already and we're not even in the middle of December. Maybe don't need that. Fair criticism. But I think that, you know, it won't be last year where it's O'Reilly and Achari and Shen and everybody mm. coming in. It's not going to be that. But if this group continues to do things more or less like they've done this season, there's no way Trilliving doesn't go out and make an ad or two. And I feel like they're getting better depth scoring. I don't know. How do you feel about that third line, which scores the insurance marker yesterday yeah. with the great passing play, right? Like, it's not a perfect line by any stretch of the imagination. No. And I'm sure Brad Trilliving would like to go into a playoff series with not Max Domi as his third line center, like, no doubt. And yep. yeah, the trust issue with Nick Robertson, it's real for sure. Yep. But it, it does feel like, yeah, those guys are contributing. When I we've seen so many punt third lines with this team, that that, that that line is at least capable of doing something offensively. I think in a perfect world, and he'd want to do this with some runway to the deadline because I don't know that it is a seamless fit because the, the, 
the interesting thing about Domi is so much of what's been better about him is, yeah, he just seems more engaged. But so much of that from everybody you talk to and even the player himself is just playing center. Like the act of being a center as opposed to a winger has him more engaged in the game. But I think if you just ask for living right now, hey, what's the perfect version of that line? Uh, I don't know. Brian Boyle from 2016 as the center and Max Domi goes to the wing and sorry, Nick Robertson, mm-hmm. you're part of the trade package for whoever this competent third line center is. Like I do think in a perfect world, he would love to bump Domi to the wing. Then you get Yarncroft and again, this, you know, Again, I just like have Brian Boyle from that cap series here, like mm-hmm. baked into my brain, but something along that, you know, your, your Scott Lawton type out of mm-hmm. Philly, somebody who's just a competent third line center. And then Domi is able to be the kind of offensive conscious of that group. If you have two other defensive guys, I think in a perfect world, that's what he'd like to do. But there's just so many other fish to fry on this team right now. Like, I don't see how you could prioritize that no. over a blue line, over a blue liner right now. And and again, we'll see what happens with Joe wall, but Maybe a goalie has to enter this equation. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, one more thing on Joe Wall. Like, mm-hmm. again, we have no idea. It looked really bad, though. It, it did. looked like, I don't know, knee, hip, something, something not good. Ryan Reeves was like, I, I have to carry him. This is, like, yeah. truly my moment. <laughs> yeah. If I'm not doing this, what am I doing here? Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, yeah. He could not get up under his own power. That's bad. It's not ideal. He did not get uh, contacted. Like, it was, he made a save. He dropped the puck as well, yeah. which is, like, yeah, he was in so much pain that he it's could really not even weird. hold on to the puck. Looks bad. What if Joseph Wall never gets back to being this team's number one goalie? Like, and God forbid, yeah. like, he misses the rest of the season. How does that impact your decision-making as far as the goaltending position next season? Again, like, a, a, a scenario I thought for sure mm-hmm. we'd see Ilya Samsonov playing out the stretch here and waving goodbye yep. to the Toronto Maple Leafs at the conclusion of this season because, yeah, despite the fact he had a great year last year, yep. it's going to be tough to lock up a guy that you're not as confident in mm-hmm. for like the better part of a half decade, which yep. is probably what he's going to get on the open market. Like, yeah. What, what if there's no Joe wall in the equation or when he comes back, it, it's clearly Samsonov's net and he's playing a backup role and it's hard to get your mind around. Well, again, mm-hmm. a guy who's never played 40 games in an entire season, like the, the thinking about how you're going to cobble together your goaltending tandem in 24-25? Well, I think I think you just have to be realistic about what your options are. Like, how bad, and I'll pose this question to you, Joe Wall comes back, let's say it's a month and a half he's out, or two months or something like that, and he comes back and he is not the same guy yeah. he's been. How bad would it have to get before you, because, you know, like the Sens are actually the perfect team to hold up. They said, all right, that's it, enough screwing around, we're ready to win, we got a bunch of players who've been paid on this team, we got to go get a goalie. And Corp Sal's been fine. Mm-hmm. But one, the Leafs, they ain't going to be able to just go give somebody four or five on the open market. Not no. if they want to pay Nylander, not if they want to pay Marner. Like, so I think you just have to be realistic about what the option is going to look like there. Joe Wall is going to have to look not NHL level yeah. for them to kind of waver from this plan. No, that's and the point. And like, I don't think they are... I don't think they are beholden to him. Like, I think, especially Brad Schliving. Like, what does he care if Joe Walls is goalie? I think right now it's far and away the best option he's got. But I don't think this is like, you know, you hear the way Keefe talks about him. Go back to even the beginning of the season when Samsonov was the guy. It was clear that Keefe, in his mind, was thinking, yeah. that will be my one by the time this season is over. Schliving doesn't have that track record with him. He wasn't around for all these camps. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, we're all impressed by the track record. And everybody who's worked with him at the Marlies is really happy to see him in this spot. But... You know, if you're a guy like Treliving, you're not nearly as in the tank for him, for lack of yeah. a better term, than than we all are. But I also think because of the way goaltending is in the NHL, that unless you're willing to go 
let's be honest, throw a flyer on a guy at four or five. Cause that's what it is. You know, like we, we like Corpus Alley's a fine goalie, but it's a flyer mm-hmm. to be your, if you think you're going to go win a cup. And I know the Suns don't you know, plan to do that this year, but they plan to do that in the four or five years. He's under contract. Like that would be the goal. So you just have to be realistic about what the market's going to look like. And you know, Heliobuck, there was maybe some belief of, Oh, it's a real pivot. And they go to short term, big money for him. He read up with Winnipeg at the start of the year. So that's not even out there as your pie in the sky UFA for, for this summer. So much of the optimism surrounding this team uh, and its future is in paying a starting goalie Nothing. less than just no, thousand just no money. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like they, even if Joe Wall played out the string as the de facto number one and was unlikely to play like 50 games. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was the starting goalie. He stayed healthy all season long, was the starting goalie uh, throughout a postseason series. There was going to be another goaltender brought in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how much did you have to spend on that guy if nope. Joe Wall had shown you a full season's worth of work going into the postseason? That him being in flux mm-hmm. changes everything no, about totally about what you're going to have to spend in net. There was a there was one yeah, definitely. Are you good on goaltending? I yeah. just have a couple other things I wanted to yep. to hit on from last night. Uh, first one is just funny. He asked me about Max Domi. There's a moment I don't know if it was on the power play or if the power play had expired late in the first or second period. He had a shot from the slot that missed the net in a way that only prime Cody CC could do in Toronto. So just like anybody else who caught that out there, wanted to highlight that. I too saw that and I had a big chuckle about it as well because the Leafs were leading at the time. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention from last night is I love Nice's game. In a night where I didn't say that about a lot of Leafs Mm -hmm. other than the goaltender, uh, I I thought that we've had so many conversations and it goes to what we talked about with Borm, what we talked about with Kipper is that ever since Zach Hyman left and, you know, Bunting wasn't that guy, but he's been better at that than what you've seen here this year is they haven't had that guy who's got in on the forecheck, use his side, use his speed. And Nice has both in spades. And I thought he did a pretty good job of that last night. There were a couple moments where he was able to get in, get to pucks, kind of set Matthews up for some decent looks. And, you know, I didn't think that line was great by any means last night, but that was one thing that, you know, it's funny, we all look at Matthew Nyes and we think we want X number of points. That's mm-hmm. what means a good year to him. And, you know, Sheldon Keefe, I'm sure, has a number he'd like him to hit as well. But that kind of thing is so much more important for the success of that line than Matthew Nyes, you know, shooting one in the net every every week or, or so. Yeah, the bizarre season uh, for Austin Matthews continues uh, as he has one shot on goal Weird. in the hockey game. Weird. And, uh, yeah, he's up there amongst the leaders in, in goal scored. And, yeah, if you take away the hat tricks, not as good a season. Uh, but, yeah. Again, he's getting it done. Shout out, Kipper. And and the Maple Leafs are getting it done, improving to 13-6-4 with the 4-3 win in regulation over the Senators. Uh, Def Leppard and Journey coming to Rogers Center on August 2nd next year. We're giving away tickets to enter. All you have to do is tune into episodes of the Fan Morning Show, listen for the code word, then text the code word to 590-590. Today's code word is hysteria. Text hysteria to 590-590 right now to enter for your chance to win. We're giving away another pair of tickets on Monday But if you don't win with us, tickets officially on sale starting Friday, December 15th at 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster.ca. When we come back, man, there's there's dribs and drabs uh, of Shohei Otani information. Flight trackers are at it this morning. Yeah, there's that. And also some reports from overseas. It's a a bunch of weird stuff. Uh, And also John Rom heading uh, to live. We'll talk about that more next. Ah, no! The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
are on Shohei watch right now because I think sometime in the next probably 96 hours or so, Whoa. we're going to have a much better sense of where Shohei Otani is going to wind up. And Whoa. look, the favorites from the beginning, AJ, have been the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is a team that every year goes out and spends $250 plus million on payroll, has been over $300 million in the past and needs a guy like that. Uh, Otani is familiar with Southern California, having spent the first six seasons of his career with the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, the interesting thing, though, is what the Toronto Blue Jays have done. The Blue Jays, out of nowhere, have made a really strong run at Otani. And I'm not sure if they're considered the favorites at this point, because this whole thing has been under a shroud of secrecy. Fan Morning Show, Sports at 590 The Fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. That was Jeff Passan on Pat McAfee's show yesterday. I love this. It's like, it's not going to be over in some time frame. We're going to have a better idea in the next 96 hours? Why okay. not 92? Right. Okay. The next 96 hours? Okay, there's a, there's a lot of, like, peripheral Shohei Otani stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. And some of it is happening this morning. Thank you to all the, the my Twitter followers who alerted me to the fact that there is a private jet leaving from Anaheim uh, at 9 o'clock Pacific time this morning, headed to Toronto, which is, who knows? Yeah, same type of air, uh, airplane that, that Shohei Otani has been been known to fly on. Um, there's also this story out of the Daily Mail, of all places, mm-hmm. yesterday, who, I mean, their time frame was, hey, before Christmas, which Great. is, oh, my God. <laughs> I would hope before Christmas, Shohei Otani is making his decision. Uh, here's the pull quote from the Daily Mail. Sure. Again, the Daily Mail. Uh, he feels that Toronto will be able to compete for years to come, and he would be a beacon for other free agents to join him to create a winning team. Sources tell Mail Sport. And he would also be able to live life out of the constant L.A. limelight. Um, okay. I mean, th- th- that's pretty explicit. It's, again, from the Daily Mail. Now, if, if anybody in our listening uh, audience is not familiar with the way uh, soccer transfer rumors mm-hmm. um, operate in Europe, a lot of stuff thrown at the wall. Yeah. A lot of stuff's just, like, blatantly, like, there's not a lot of, of backing to it. <laughs> it's, it's, there's, no, there's no accountability, right. too, when it's proven incorrect. But apparently this guy that wrote this story okay. has a reputation that's pretty stellar and wouldn't waste it on something that is that is patently untrue. What do you make of the Daily Mail giving you some info? Can I can I give you just the two sides of the coin that yeah. I cannot decide on? It's like on one hand, this could be the most throwing stuff at the wall because who cares if a Daily Mail guy gets the Shohei Otani report wrong? Like who cares? Yeah. Are you ever gonna hope? Are you ever gonna face any consequences for this? You know, some guy in Leeds is gonna see a transfer rumor from him and be like, "Ah, but he was wrong on Otani." So I don't, I don't know if I'm buying it. But the other side is, why would he bother to dip his toe in if he didn't have something good? And this wasn't sourced fairly well. Like that's the that is my prevailing thought on the matter. Is what's the what's the plus side to getting in on this if you don't have anything to get right. in if you don't have a leg to stand on? Like no one again would look at this soccer reporter from the UK and say, but you missed out on Antani. I don't know if I could trust you next time uh, somebody's kicking tires on something. There like, is a belief that that, yeah, like you, this could hurt his credibility if it's patently untrue. Mm. And, and the Dodgers are still mentioned in it. It's not like a guarantee, yeah. but okay. So there's, the, that's my, that's my, my, my first reaction is like, I don't know. I feel like that's gotta be pretty good. Um, so there's that. 
there's, as I mentioned, this uh, flight plan for a private jet leaving Anaheim at 9 o'clock. God, could you imagine? It's just like, rich person, just a guy. Just like, ah, yeah. I wanted to come up to Toronto. Yeah, quite possibly. That's <laughs> what it is, right? Entirely possible. There, there's no way to know for sure. And then there's this, Brent. Yusei Kikuchi's wife was in Toronto yesterday, okay? So I think I don't... this was the most ridiculous one of okay. all of them. Yusei Kikuchi, again, for the uninitiated, went to the same high school as Shohei Otani. They wore the same number in high school when they played baseball. Mm-hmm. They're apparently friendly. And there w- there's some belief that if the Blue Jays were making a pitch towards Shohei Otani, clearly Yusei Kikuchi would be involved in that pitch. Would he be in Toronto for a potential unveiling of, of Shohei Otani? It's possible. Okay, so of the three things, you got the, the flight plan. Yeah. You got the Daily Mail mm-hmm. talking about baseball rumors. And you got Yusei Kikuchi's wife potentially in Toronto. Of the three, like, or, or maybe it's the combination sure. of the three that uh, – that makes you think that there's smoke where there's fire. Does this impact your opinion as to whether this is actually going to happen? Before I answer that question, I just have to say that that is the Yusei Kikuchi wife piece of it all is the most internet rumory. And it's not a rumor. Like it no. is in fact true, but it's the reporting of that is does it's apparently nobody knows anything about any of these guys. Like does Kikuchi spend his winners? No, that's, who nobody knows? knows. Who knows? So that's maybe, the thing. Like so, nobody knows. So it's possible. She just was where she lives. Correct. Right. No, which again, obviously is earth shattering information, but it's also possible that they're here because I don't know if I was, you say Kikuchi and I certainly love my Toronto, including the winters, but maybe not where I'd choose to live. If I had, you know, like tens of millions of dollars and could do it anywhere else on the world. So I actually think the, it's not any one of them that says, Oh, this is the strongest piece of evidence to me. But if I had to rank them, if I had to rank them, yeah, rank them flight, Flight is number one. Kikuchi okay. wife, <laughs> Daily Mail. Really? What's uh, your disrespect ranking? To the, I mean, Daily Mail is a, 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 a journalist, like it, it's a professional journalist who's yes. putting their name yep. on something. Yep. So to me, that's that that is number one. The Kikuchi wife thing is three to me. Okay. This flight plan stuff is two. Is two mm. to me. We have like very we're, different we're orders. Very, we're we're very much in Kawhi land here, though. It oh, does yeah. feel like yeah. We're, <laughs> Are we we're, gonna get a report that what was it? Was it like Kawhi enrolled his kids in kindergarten or something? Yeah. Do you remember hearing that one going around? I don't remember. I don't that know if one that made it to a mic until right now, but. Man, Time has passed. Would you? Would you also like the, the the biggest news in the history of this franchise? Would you do that on a Friday afternoon? Like you if you're the Blue it, Jays, no, no, you do it whenever he says. Like well, you've come, you've come this far, uh-huh. and he's like, I'd like to do it Friday. And they're going, No, 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 bad yeah. for business. You have to do it on Monday. You've come that like you've come this far. Mm-hmm. He could do it. I don't know what the worst time is, but Sunday at three in the morning or something. Like whatever. If you've if you've gone down this road. Then him wanting to do it Friday, and it would be hilarious if him having dragged his feet the whole time immediately go, has happened today. It yeah. must happen. <laughs> we cannot wait another day. Well, I mean, if you are wondering why it's taken so long, I, I, I think I, I have a potential answer here. Right? I was like, digging into this as well. Yeah, there's a, it's, it's obviously very complicated to, to offer somebody a half a billion dollar contract, and especially mm-hmm. if there's numerous outs, right? Like there's going to be a lot of lawyers. Yeah. There will be lawyers pouring over this thing. And secondarily, speaking, there always are. Secondarily, there, there's going to be some level of insurance. Also, there's going to be some level of, hey, what does your elbow actually look like? Mm-hmm. Because we don't even know what surgery you got. That's a great like, question. Like the public right. at, at large does. And I'm sure the, the Blue Jays at this point have, have asked him, hey, what kind of surgery did you get? But guy's going to spend a lot of time in yeah. MRI tubes, mm-hmm. right? 
in in the coming days if in fact he is signing with the Toronto Blue Jays that could be like if you're wondering why this thing is played out in in the manner that it has mm. like that that to me makes sense this is very complicated this is the most complicated contract maybe in in baseball history and it's the most significant contract issued yeah. in Blue Jays history and this is a guy who's coming off his second Tommy John surgery yeah. and if you know you look at an MRI and you're like oh his elbow will just never be the right. same that would probably inhibit you from giving him a half a billion dollars yeah i mean the that <laughs> It's funny, we've all been so wrapped up in this, rightfully so, and everyone's just so excited, again, rightfully so, but that's the part that I do feel like is kind of getting skimmed over in all of this. I feel like everyone internally is acknowledging it. We're just not Mm -hmm. really having a conversation about it, is that it's entirely possible that the (coughs) unicorn that you're buying for half a billion dollars is just, and and it's like just an MVP hitter, I know, but... It could be just that. Like, it's yeah. possible that the or Kikuchi, we got Kikuchi on the brain now, that the Otani we've seen on the mound, it's possible you never see the version of that guy again. Yeah. Like, there's been bandied about talk of, I don't know, maybe comes back as a closer, reliever. Like, who knows how all this works out? That is the other part of this that I think is so fascinating. And it's like, there's not really too much point in talking about it right now because we'll see a year from now about that. But is it just me or does it feel like that's, it, it feels like everyone is internally acknowledging it, but they almost don't want to have the conversation yeah. is how it feels to me. I don't know what yeah. you're reading on that. You, you're right. Like $50 million a year for a great hitter, but a DH only who yeah. clogs up one position that, you know, you, you like to use for the hulking first baseman that you have and the middle 30s corner outfielder that you have is a different deal than $50 million for the unicorn guy yeah. who's going to pitch again, which, I mean, he keeps saying he's going to. Mm-hmm. But it, I'm sure if you're the Blue Jays, you'd like some assurances. There's well, not, and what is that? And what does that do to the outs and the contract? Right? right, like that. Like it's funny. We've spent so much time talking about this, and when he signs, like obviously we're going to have a day of reckoning one way or another of you know ecstasy if it's here, mourning if it's with the Dodgers. But like, what's the contract going to look like? What are the outs going to look mm-hmm. like in all that? How do they, you know, again, play? How do the Blue them? Jays protect themselves? How, well, that because that's the thing. Because if you're Otani again, like with all the with the fact that everyone's been fawning over you, it's like kind of write your own ticket here. And that's been the part of this that, you know, it's like the money nobody's blushed on. But I do wonder, like that's been the thing we've kind of not talked about as much as, and again, I understand why. We're never going to get an answer from anybody Mm. on it. But how different, what like what are the Dodgers telling him about their plans for 2025 with him versus what the Blue Jays or Cubs or whoever else was talking to him said? And and while I think that if you're down the road with this and and you understand the other things that come with signing Mm -hmm. Shohei Otani that you just throw caution to the wind. It's quite another thing for the person writing the checks to say, yeah, 50 million, (laughs) whether or not you pitch or ever play again, like that's fine. It's a little different. Yeah. All right. Speaking of uh, half a billion dollars, Mm, John, I'm going to get more than that. Yeah. As he joins Livy, he's, um, I guess, the most significant addition. Yeah. Uh, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau are, sure. are big names. Yeah. We're talking about Masters champion here. Yeah. Um, he's a big hypocrite, mm-hmm. but it's hard for me to blame him. Okay? So he unveils himself on on Fox News yesterday as the, the newest member of Liv. He has been very vocal yeah. in his uh, derision towards... Live not necessarily for ethical reasons, but for formatting reasons, right? Like mm-hmm. the three tournaments and or the three rounds instead of four, yep. the shotgun starts, like the team format found it to be very jokey. Yep. And I think you know what? Actually, let's let's play the clip. Let's from, hear from the hypocrite himself. Uh, a couple of months ago, here's John Rom. Shotgun three days to me is not a golf tournament, no cut. It's that simple. Uh, I want to play against the best in the world in a format that's been going on for hundreds of years. 
They're like, will our lifestyle change if I got 400 million? No, it will not change one bit. Truth be told, I could retire right now with what I've made and not live a very happy life and not play golf again. So, and for a lot of people, I'm not gonna lie, those next three, four years are worth basically their, their retirement plan they're giving them. It's a, it's a very nice compensation to then retire and sail off to the sunset. Okay. Uh, turns out, yeah, announcing his retirement uh, yeah. two years earlier, whatever he was asked about that. So a lot has changed since those yep. comments, right? Like, although nothing has been well, he got, solidified yet. Just to clear, the biggest one is that it was $400 million then, and he uh, is allegedly... Some people are questioning whether all of that it's like a NFL contract here. It's right. like, is it six hundred million or is it like six hundred million with air quotes around it? Yeah. But he's gonna get a lot of money. Yeah, and also the way the payouts work is that yeah, you don't get paid for tournament victories. It just like gets deducted yes. from your overall. Anyways, whatever. <laughs> it's weird. A all, sick but, tour, honestly. I, uh, <laughs> but the biggest thing that has changed since those comments yep. has been the Saudi Not merger, investment. Merger. Yeah, yeah, the Saudi investment fund. Buying all of golf. Yep. Now, it has not been solidified, and apparently they have a deadline mm -hmm. of, of the this year, like New Year's Eve, to get it done, to figure out what exactly the Saudi Investment Fund mm -hmm. and, and the PGA Tour and the Live Tour, what a union means necessarily. But there is a union, and Jay Monahan took the money. Yep. The PGA Tour took the money. Who knows what the PGA Tour looks like mm -hmm. next season, yeah. the season beyond that, five years, ten years from now? Again, he's a hypocrite. The, 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 those clips, mm -hmm. that's real. That that happened. Yep. If I'm John Rom, the PGA Tour has already sold me out. I, I have no problem with, with what he did. Yeah, I I understand that school of thought. And I suppose it's like the battle's been lost. So, yeah, what's the point in the fight anymore? But, the and, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe your answer to this is, well, he's an idiot. He should. But it's, why isn't Rory? taken a big check yet like if it is so inevitable oh yeah and it is so certainly happening which like i don't I feel like an I idiot if i didn't take the I, money which, after the jay monahan press release which i don't disagree with you but there's two guys that could have got a check way bigger than that there's yeah. only two and like to your point like yeah you we can have the argument of like oh cam smith at the time or whatever there's only two guys that matter more than everybody else in the game of golf and it's a clear one and a clear two and it's tiger and it's rory mm -hmm. why haven't those guys taken the money that's the part of this that i for for tiger i suppose you can make the argument of that when you are on the true like mount rushmore's of the game that maybe your legacy matters more than I don't know, $800, $800 a billion dollars. Like if John Rahm's worth six, what's Tiger worth to live, right? Yeah. And if you're Rory McIlroy, I guess the argument for him is that it, he'd be the hardest one to do it because he was the most vocal about it. But that's the part that I'm just like squinting at and can't quite understand. If this is so inevitable, and which I, again, I don't disagree with, mm -hmm. why wouldn't those two guys, and, and less so Rory than Tiger? Yeah. Because like, no, what we know about Tiger Woods famously is that it's his morals and everything that right. he stands up for. It's like the guy's been all about winning in himself, which I don't begrudge him at all. That's why we love the psycho that is Tiger. But that's that that's where my mind immediately went on this, is why haven't those guys done it yet? Yeah. I, I, I Again, for me, they're idiots. <laughs> like, if, I said that, yeah. And I, I thought I, that was going to be your response. Yeah. I I understood, and you know what? Even applauded the, mm -hmm. the stances taken by John Rahm and Rory McIlroy yep. and Tiger Woods many months ago before mm -hmm. this was a reality, when it did feel like we were going to have divergent paths and yep. it was like the joke live golf league that is nothing like anything any, yep. any of us have ever seen growing up watching the world of professional golf and look very hokey and yep. looked like it had no staying power. Mm -hmm. It was like a joke, Yep. right? Since then, golf has said, you win. 
Yeah. We're yours. Now, again, I don't know what that's going to look like, but yeah. you've got to figure. Now with John Rom gone and Brooks Kepka gone and Bryson DeChambeau, like eventually we're not going to go the rest of our lives not seeing those guys compete against, you know, Rory McIlroy mm -hmm. and Tiger Woods outside of the majors, right? Like, and that's another part of this yeah. is that they're still going to be major eligible. Although, how long does that continue considering that there's no world golf uh, ranking yeah. points earned yep. on the live tour? But again, like, are we going to live in a world in five to 10 years where John Rom can't play at the majors and he's, he's only playing on the live tour. I just can't see it considering that there is going to be an amalgamation of those two entities. Yeah. I can't see that either, but this is kind of my problem. This is my problem from the jump. Like, you know, I understood the idea of, you know, golf, any, any sport can use different thinking and an idea of it all. But you know, I wasn't alive for this, but I guarantee you I would not have liked the NHL better when the WHA was a thing. Maybe I thought they were different flavors, but hockey was not better when the best players are split right. up. You know, imagine if Nikolai Jokic and Luka Doncic and whatever, they just played in Eurobasket and they never came over. It's like, we want all the best guys of playing course. together. And the point to this is, and this is where I don't know because I'm so in the weeds. Like, I'm a golf sicko. I watch everything. Is that enough for some people? If it's, hey... We get our Ryder Cup, and all yeah. the guys get to play in that, and they well, get their four majors. Will he and that's be able that. to play in the Ryder Cup? As of right now, no, he would not. But, you know, Rory McIlroy actually tweeting about this this morning, somebody from the BBC with an article about, oh, Rory saying, John Rahm, you know, we need to look at his eligibility for this, and then Rory responding to that saying, it's true. We didn't need any of the other guys in Rome, the guys that they didn't have. We need John at Beth Page is where the next uh, Ryder Cup is going to be. And you want John Rom in the Ryder Cup. Like, I can hate Liv. I, I actually would argue there's no one on this planet who hates Liv more than me. Like, mm -hmm. maybe people have reached the same level as me, but I am the chief Liv hater. And even I don't want a Ryder Cup without John Rom in it. So you got to find a way to make this work. But I do wonder if for a casual, if, yeah, hey, this is Ryder Cup just to see Ryder them. Cup and four majors. So yeah. sounds great. Well, again, how many tennis tournaments do people watch? John Rom gets to play the Masters forever, yep. right? Like eventually, his eligibility is going to run out on the other three majors, right? Well, unless he keeps like he gets he a top to five, winning, he gets top sure. five in the Masters, and then that gets him in the other majors for three okay. to five years. Like, it's a lot of pressure on on yeah. his performance at the majors. Well, that's the only th that's the only golf he's going to play that's ever going to matter. Yeah, right. If if we're going to live in this you know bifurcated world, which interesting word given the equipment stuff, which we're not talking about now but it's like if we're going to live in that world it's all that matters so yeah there should be pressure on it go ask Brooks Kepka. that's kind of how he's lived his entire life up to this point of like yeah I'll win the waste management that's cool but I just want to win the majors it's all, yeah. all I care about I listen I I love golf as well mm -hmm. and and I do pay attention to tournaments outside of the majors mm -hmm. but like yeah not a golf sicko like yourself yeah, like yeah. there's a couple hey we're, we're headed towards you mentioned the waste management yep. uh Super Bowl Weekend, yes. right? Like, that's an awesome, awesome tournament. So good. That's great. I, I love that tournament. Will I be devastated not to see John Rom participate in that tournament? Not necessarily. W would I be more devastated to see, like, Rory McIlroy not be at the Canadian Open? Like, that would be that'd by, be a hard one. By the way, he confirmed his attendance for next year at Hamilton. Yeah. I like how they're calling Nick Taylor the, the logo now. Yeah, I mean, he is. I it, I just would like to uh, throw this out there for all my friends at Golf Canada. Uh, don't you dare. That's the logo forever now. I know they're doing it as like, for this I, year. No, no. no. that That's it forever now. Sorry. I'm, I'd be fine with that. Again, like it's hard for me to envision a world in which the, the greatest golfers in the history of the sport, guys that are on pace to, to, to set all kinds of records yep. in the prime of their career, that we just never see them, that they just no. drop into, and especially, again, considering the fact that 
the same body yep. is going to be in control of both the PJ Tour and the Live Tour. And as much as I think guys are idiots for not taking the money mm -hmm. now, how stupid will you feel if, like, three years down the line, there is literally, you can pick and choose whether yeah. you play on the Live Tour or the PGA Tour, and they're one and the same. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing you have to hammer home with this is that, and you started it with this, is that, Rom's a different animal from anybody else. Like Phil Mickelson, biggest name when, when he signed there. Dustin Johnson, definitely somebody, but, you know, longer in the tooth. I know Phil had won the major. Kepka, we all saw the Netflix where he was crying, wondering yeah. if he'd literally ever be able to do it again. Bryson DeChambeau has been lost in the wilderness, yeah. okay? You know, Cameron Smith, I think, was the one guy they would have held up as, hey, he just won a major before right. he came here. This is our guy, but... Cam Smith and John Rahm are on different planets in the world of golf in terms of what they'd accomplish and, quite frankly, what they will accomplish going forward. And the last thing I'll say on it is that's the interesting thing is if you look at how these guys have performed, like, yeah, some of them have performed well in, in majors since, but some of them it's clearly affected their ability because you're just not getting the tournament reps. So I... I can't wait. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to dislike whatever, whatever ends up coming out of this, but I, I can't wait to see what the world of golf looks like over the next couple of years. It, uh, I'll tell you, I, I'm not as big a live mm -hmm. hater as you, yeah. but I, I, it's not on my radar at all, and this doesn't change well, that at all. And I, like, there's, no, there's not one well, so how morsel can, of me that thinks about watching a live golf tournament with this. News. Well, that's the last part, that, and, you know, we're going to do a million other things today, but that's the last part of it is that how can you, like, you know, people... The Blue Jays are going to give Otani or the Dodgers are going to give Otani half a billion dollars, but mm -hmm. like, people are going to watch him play. Yeah. They're going to go to the games. Right. They're going to buy merch. They're going to buy jerseys. They're going to buy streaming rights. Liv isn't making a red cent, and I suppose the argument is you get enough of these, eventually it tips over, but I, I can't see it happening. It's always felt so jokey to me, yeah. for lack of a better term, but we'll have we'll have Chief Liv defender Sam McKee on later in the day <laughs> to give us a, a different uh, tact on that. All right, when we come back, though... Um, We'll uh, talk to Charles Davis, the NFL on CBS and NFL Network analyst. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.